Welcome in to Sports Decaf in the afternoon. It is your boy, the one and only Thadik Abdullah. Yo, what's up, everyone? It is your man, Thadik Fatul. How's everyone doing today? We'd like to wish a special Eid Mubarak on our, you know, first show back. First show of June. So, you know, what's up? Shout out to all the June babies out there. But we're going to get into some real talk, some NBA basketball. And we're also going to talk some boxing today. We're going to talk about, you know, Kyrie Irving, his landing spot, where he's headed. We're going to talk about the biggest upset in, you know, one can argue the history of boxing. But to start off the show, Curry erupts last night for 47 points. And for those of you who didn't watch the game, that just wasn't enough. So the question is, should they be worried at this point? Should you be worried if you're the Golden State Warriors? Um, I think to an extent. Um, obviously, they just announced that Klay Thompson's coming back game four. So they, you know, and, and watching that game, I mean, it was literally just Curry and just a bunch of role players. We That game really portrayed how deep this Golden State team is, and they're not really that deep. They don't have a lot of play, players that can step up. Um, and obviously, this was a must win for Toronto. If you lose a game on the road, you know, with, with the team's best player and third best player out, I mean, then are you – you shouldn't consider yourself a, a championship-caliber team. That's just what it comes down to. They had to win this game. Um, this was a this was a must-win game. This was a game on the schedule that you could circle it and you know that they're going to win the game. But should they be worried? I think to an extent. We don't know if KD's coming back game four or game five. We don't know exactly when he's coming, coming back or even if he's going to play this series. Klay Thompson's playing game four, and that's cool and all, but I don't know if Klay Thompson and Steph Curry can come back and actually lead this team to the promised land, especially whenever they're down 2-1. This team is not a team that usually comes back from – excuse me, this, this team is not a team that comes back a lot. They, they've, they've had one great comeback, which was against OKC whenever they were down 3-1 in the series. Other than that, they've been a team that really hasn't shown a lot of resilience. They've always just been really good and much better than a lot of teams. You know, uh, you could highlight the 2016 series against the Cavs. They were up 3-1. The Cavs just wanted it more. It really did seem like that. There was obviously obviously some uh, suspensions and whatnot going on and whatnot. But other than that, I really do feel like they should be worried to an extent. Kevon Looney has a fractured shoulder. Um, you know, Boogie is still finding his way back. Um, you know, KD, we don't, I just said, I don't know if he's going to play this series. And I think that's the biggest question mark. KD is the best player on that Golden State team. I think he's the top two player in the world. If you can't have him playing, even if he's 85%, He's still going to be able to kill. I think this team is really relying on KD. They need KD to come back. And I think this team loses if KD does not come back for the series. Yeah, I think, you know, I think luckily enough for the Warriors, they're not down 0-3 because game two, they should have lost that game. They lose Klay Thompson, you know, in the fourth quarter. And they went on, you know, a scoreless streak of, what, three minutes or something around that line. But overall, they should be lucky. And then they go on an 18-0 run to start the third quarter. They were down game two. I mean, this Golden State Warriors team has got nothing going without Durant. Too many people got caught up in the hype, you know, with the Portland series and then with the Houston Game 6, you know, saying all the Warriors can do it out without Durant. But their biggest fear in the West was the Houston Rockets. Everyone knew they were going to get past the, you know, Portland Trailblazers. Maybe not in four, but they still managed to make it happen. But overall, this Warriors team needs KD because that is their scoring machine. He also brings, you know, defense along with it. And this Toronto team, I mean, you've got Marc Gasol. You've got Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, you know, Fred Van Fleet who's shooting lights out. I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole team effort. And whenever you're a team like the Golden State Warriors where you rely on your scoring from Klay Thompson and your scoring from Kevin Durant and, you know, big shots here and there from Iguodala, 
I mean, there's not much you can do when two of those guys are out. And if you look at, you know, last night's game, Curry did more than enough. He dropped 47 points along with eight rebounds, six assists, two big steals late in the game. You know, uh, Draymond Green hit two big threes late in the fourth quarter. But that's the Golden State Warriors. You know, these guys are going to hit big shots night in, night out. But it's all about, you know, can a Sean Livingston step up to the plate? Can a Quinn Cook hit big shots when you need it? And simply, they just can't. And that's what was portrayed last night. And I think if you're the Toronto Raptors, you have high confidence game four if Durant's not playing. I think Toronto could possibly steal that one and maybe close it out at home. But I think overall, Golden State Warriors, Clay Thompson is a must for game four. And Durant is a must to come back at some point in the series for them to have a chance at going on that 3 P. I I think another big story is that I think Toronto really just stepped up. Yeah. And that was that's that was the biggest thing with it. I mean, Kyle Lowry had 23 and 9. Serge Ibaka only had six points, but my God, he had six blocks. Danny Green, 18 points, five rebounds. I mean, you know, Fred Van Fleet, who's been killing 11 points off the bench, which is more than enough, especially as a six man coming off the bench. That's great. Marcus finally stepped up, 17 points, seven rebounds, four assists. Siakam, 18, nine, and six. Kawhi Leonard had his regular 30 ball. Yeah. I mean, this team is deep, and this team has been deep, but they just needed guys to step and up. You didn't even mention Nick Powell. I mean, yeah, I mean, but uh, last night's game, Nor he didn't do too Norman well. Powell, Norman, Norman Powell, my fault. Norman, no, but he, he had a donut. Zero zeros all across the board. He yeah. didn't do too much, but he's someone that usually steps yeah. up for them as well. This team is deep, and that's what it comes down to. I think this team had a great, great, great game three, but they're going to have to definitely show up game four. I got I got Golden State winning game four just because it's a must win. Yeah. I don't think Golden State's going to beat around the bush anymore. I think they are ready, but... Flip it on Toronto, man. I would not I like like I'm saying it right now in this podcast. I would not be surprised if they win Game Four. I got Golden State winning, but I would not be shocked. You know why? Because a report uh, there was a report right after the game, Game Three. No Toronto Raptors players were celebrating. They walked into the locker room, laser focused. They didn't shake hands, nothing. They were they, like they know they're on a mission. They don't care. Winning Game Three was just a step to that mission. So a team that's that hungry, that laser focused, that's a great that, I mean, that's great for them. And then now, you know, with, with, with what's happening with Kyle Lowry and the part-time or the minority owner of the Golden State Warriors, how he pushed Kyle Lowry, that might sway in, in, in Toronto's favor. They might get a little boost of motivation that they didn't really need, but now they just got it. Golden State, it's looking it's, – they should be worried to an extent, and that's, what, that's all I'm saying. I know, obviously, they're still the better team. I think Golden State is a better team than, than the Toronto Raptors. But injuries play a big part, and it's kind of funny to see how this is, you know, playing on Golden State when it's usually been other teams – across the history. I mean, if you look at the New Orleans Pelicans last year, DeMarcus Cousins was out. If you look at the the 2015 Cavs, Kyrie and Kevin Love was out. You look at the uh, 2016 uh, Spurs, Kawhi Leonard got injured in the first half. You look at Houston Rockets last year, Chris Paul got injured in game, what, game five, game six, and he was, and Houston was up 3-1. So Golden State has gotten lucky throughout every single series throughout their uh, throughout their championship runs, no dis no discredit to them, but they've had some luck when, when guys getting injured. They they were able to to uh, capitalize on that. I mean that's that's really what it is. It's kind of good to see how it's kind of flipping on them. I'm, I I am a Mavericks fan. I am someone who is anti Warriors. I want to see a change. I want to see the Raptors win. And if if Golden State is having you know some players injured, I pray for their health. But all in all, I want to see a different champion, and that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you got to respect the Toronto Raptors hustle. I mean, just before the game, this might, this might not mean a lot, but Norman Powell goes up to, you know, Kawhi Leonard, tries to dab him up, 
And Kawhi Leonard wasn't having it. He just wanted to, you know, walk onto that court and play basketball. And, I mean, that made a lot of, you know, media attention. But I can see why. I mean, you got a guy like Kawhi Leonard who's not here for fun and games. He's here to get the job done, play basketball, you know, and leave Golden State arguably with a 3-1 lead, head to Toronto and close the series out. I mean, you got to – I almost respect it just because, you know, Kawhi Leonard is himself, and that's what makes him different. You know, we may never see a Kawhi Leonard simply because – I mean, his personality. I, I don't think there's any guy who can come into the league, hit a game winner, and just walk off as if his dog died. I mean, that, that's Kawhi Leonard. That's what makes him special. And, I mean, that that's what really completes his game. He never gets carried away. He's always laser-focused. He, he, you know, he's never off-task. He, you know, he does his job out there. And this is why, you know, you have him as, you know, arguably one of the best players in the world. I have him as one of them, maybe not number one as you, you know, might have him, but I think he's definitely two or three at this point. I mean, just the impact he's done to Toronto. DeMar DeRozan, what, seven years there? Could never do what he did in those seven years. Could never even, you know, one can argue, can they, couldn't even come close. I mean, so yeah. I think that. No, that's DeMar DeRozan, I mean, led the team to the conference finals, yeah. which is extremely impressive, but. I mean, that's all he he would get swept in the conference finals for losing yeah. six. That's what it came down to. Kawhi Leonard took the team to the conference finals in his first year, won in a game seven on the road in Milwaukee, then is now playing in the finals against arguably you know the best team in NBA history. I know that I know that they're depleted, but this team is still a seventy three and nineteen without Kevin Durant. So yeah. I don't want to hear any excuses. This Kawhi Leonard has led this team to two wins against one of the best teams in NBA history. I think that's extremely impressive. I think what he's doing is unpre- unprecedented. I mean, this what he's he's killing right now. Kawhi Leonard is something special. I mean, I really do feel like if 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 the stars for Golden State comes back, this series is going seven. Yeah. I I, I had Warriors in six, but this series is probably going seven U- unless unless Raptors have themselves a game like last night where Danny Green is playing like vintage Danny Green and Serge Ibaka is playing like Serge Ibaka. Yeah. I mean, then is something different. But other than that, I mean, this Raptors team is—they—they they can they, they all they all have potential to step up. I agree, and I mean, look at the veteran leadership on that team. You've got Marcus Gasol who's playing a conference, uh, you know, finals. Now he's in the NBA finals. You have Serge Ibaka, who's been to the NBA finals, has played in a couple Western Conference finals. You've got Danny Green, who's played in 15 NBA finals games. He's an NBA champion. You've got Kawhi Leonard, who's got a ring, Finals MVP. I mean, this team is finals ready. They have the you know the veterans on they have the, the experience. team. Yeah, and I think the question is after this finals, how good is Kawhi Leonard? I mean, I feel like any anything he does, it's just he makes an impact, and he just he he's become one of the biggest threats in the league. Now now it's, I think we're at a point to where it's who can get past Kawhi Leonard. I mean, when he was with the San Antonio Spurs, it showed how dominant of a player he was. Whenever they acquired, whenever the Warriors acquired Kevin Durant. The, the San Antonio Spurs was up 20-plus in the third quarter. Kawhi Leonard gets injured. They end up getting swept in that series. So his overall presence on the court, it's, it's just a major impact. And I think, you know, he – I mean, I, I just don't know how good he is. I think, you know, he's a lot better than what we see him as. And I think he's definitely carrying this Toronto Raptors team. I know a lot of guys have been stepping up to the plate. But – I think if Kawhi Leonard's not there, they're definitely not getting past the Philadelphia 76ers. And, and I agree with you because you got look at you got to look at it like this. A lot of players in the NBA today, they their impact is marked on the stat sheet. If you yeah. look at what LeBron James does, for example, and that's no disrespect to LeBron, you know you know what he's going to do on the floor because he's going to give you he's going to give you twenty seven eight and eight. So you know he's giving you eight assists 
27 points. But Kawhi Leonard is doing so much more that's not tallied up on the stat sheet. You know, what he's doing on help side defense, making making players kick out whenever they have an open layup or, or basically shutting down players. Or, I mean, Kawhi Leonard's career high in assists is nine assists. Keep Like, this guy is 27 years old, and his his career high is nine assists. Which And to be fair, Kawhi Leonard is a really bad passer. Compared to, to he's not an elite passer, but he's not that he's not that good of a passer. And and but the way that Kawhi Leonard does is he lets his teammates work. He's not someone that's selfish. And if you look at if you look at Kawhi Leonard, and I I heard Doc Rivers say this, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard's not a volume shooter. And for for a lot of guys, and like 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 what Doc Rivers said, he said you know for Kobe Bryant. We could let him shoot all the shots that he wanted because we knew that he was probably going to shoot in the low 40s, but he will get his 40. He'll get his 50. Kawhi Leonard's a different breed, and he knows how to pick and choose and get to his spots. Kawhi Leonard will give you 35 points, but he's such a good player. He will shoot 52%, 55%, and get his teammates involved. Maybe not directly towards assists, but he'll set him screens. He'll get Kyle Lowry a good look. He'll make sure to move off the ball. Just little things that Kawhi Leonard does in the game, it's – it's just amazing to see. You got to actually watch and see how great this guy is. His defensive impact is is tremendous. You look at the plus minus, is every the defensive ratings, every single thing. Whenever he's on and off the floor, it's tremendous. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard is something special. And I, I'm honestly getting to the point where I think he can be one of the best ISO players in the league. I mean, when you have Kawhi on a one on one, it's almost like you know, make sure there's that second guy up when he blows by you. I mean, when you see Kawhi Leonard on isolation. He's almost, it's almost a guaranteed bucket. I mean, at this point, his offensive game is crazy. No one saw this with him coming into the league. They thought he was going to be a 3 and D type of player. I mean, every year he seems to get better. And the scary thing is, is I think Pascal Siakam could be following into his shadow. I mean, defensively, he's a threat. You know, offensively, he's stepped up. And he's only getting better. He's, what, 24 years old? I already said it. Pascal Siakam is going to be an all-star next year. Yeah. Like, he's going to be an all-star point blank. He can player. possibly be not at the same level as Kawhi Leonard, but a Kawhi Leonard 2.0. I mean, he you know he does know all the that. right things. He ma- he makes a smart pass. He you know he he makes the right you know he fights for a rebound. You know he 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 shoots the right shots. He does almost everything right, just like Kawhi Leonard, but just not at a high level that Kawhi does it at. Uh, Pascal Siakam's a different type of style, though. Like Kawhi Leonard is a is a Michael Jordan prototype. Pascal yeah. Siakam has a little more Draymond Green into his game, to where he does a lot of the dirty work for Toronto Raptors. gets the gets the rebounds, gets the blocks. And if you look, he's not a great isolation player. That's that's just what Pascal yeah. Siakam is. Whenever he gets the ball in the ISO, he posts up, and that's actually I mean, neither was Kawhi early in his career. Yeah, no, that's true as well. But you know, Kawhi Leonard was able to pull up. I've never really seen Pascal Siakam. You know, hit someone with a jab and then a double crossover and pull up. That's just yeah. not his game. He's someone that usually posts up, gets his buckets in transition. That's the type of dude Pascal Siakam is. Other than that, I mean, I love me some Pascal Siakam. I've said it already. I think I said it earlier in, like, February or something. If there's a Pascal Siakam fan club, please, I'll give you my contact information. Hit me up because I've been a fan of this guy, you know, throughout the midway of this season. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm, I haven't been a fan since the get-go, but this guy has definitely stepped up. He's my most improved player for this year. And for someone to put up these numbers, 18, 9, and 6, with, oh, with, you know, with two blocks or whatever he had in a finals game, I mean, that's extremely impressive as a 24-year-old. Yeah. I mean, and, and you said it. Whenever Kawhi Leonard first got his finals MVP, that was a series. We knew that he was here. We, he was here to stay. He has just emerged as a star. 
I think this is the series that we just re- we just recognize Pascal Siakam as someone who's going to be here for a while. Yeah, he's going to be he's going to be someone who's going to give an impact to this game. He could be the man who's the reason why Kawhi stays. Exactly, and the thing, and I was just going to get to this point. Call me crazy, but I think if Kawhi Leonard leaves and you keep and you and you resign uh, Marcus All. And you keep your you keep your guys. Everyone on that team stays, but just Kawhi Leonard leaves. I think this team is still a fourth seed or fifth seed in the East. Yeah, it's not 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 a finals contender. No, not at all. I think this team gets out in the second round or the first round, even. But I think there's a lot of free agents they could land. And I I, and I just I look at it like this: Pascal Siakam was definitely going to prove. I think he's going to be a 20 plus point scorer next season. Kyle Lowry is still he for for the for for the amount of slack that we've been giving Kyle Lowry, he stepped up. He's been playing tremendous in these playoffs recently, and he's been playing pretty good in the finals as well. He needs to work on his on on his fouling though. I mean, Kyle Lowry is starting to piss me off in terms of he just makes a lot of dumb fouls. I mean, if he lead, he literally leads the league. He, excuse me, he leads. He, yeah, he in the playoffs he leads the league in personal fouls. He has 83 personal fouls. The next man up has 69. I mean, that's a huge discrepancy yeah. in fouls. He gets fouled out. Every other game, I, that's just bad, and that's someone that's supposed to be quote unquote a player's coach. That's bad for Kyle Lowry. But other than that, Marcus All, Serge Ibaka, that team is still deep without Kawhi Leonard. I think this team is a playoff contending team with or without Ka- uh, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, and I think you know how you talk about Siakam. I mean, I love me some Fred Van Fleet. Just as a Maps fan, you know we had JJ Barea, you know in that nice Finals run. I mean, Fred Van Fleet is like a Barea 2.0. I mean, the guy makes those shots where I know if you're a Warriors fan, every shot of his that goes in, you're pissed off. Just because he's that small guy who ends up making a big play that, you know, gets the momentum going. I mean, you look at last night's game, he hit the dagger. A shot that shouldn't have went in. He kind of threw it up. It was, was a, a foul, rainbow too. shot. That was yeah. a foul. Foul as well, one can argue. And, I mean, he, he definitely prayed for one for that one to go in. And that was the dagger that definitely sealed the game. And it had Steve Kerr saying, all right, Curry, your night's done. Let's go ahead and pull it out. Let's go ahead and shut it off. And... You know, pray for game four to go our way. So, I mean, now, you know, the series has shifted into Toronto's hands. So, I think game four, it's a big one. I think, you know, whoever wins game four is winning the series. That's how I look at it. But I think they're definitely going to need Durant to come back. I think he should come back game four or five, you know, some along those lines. But game four is going to be the biggest game of this series. It's going to decide the outcome. It depends, because if, if the Warriors win game four, well, then now it's 2-2, game five in Toronto. I think that's the biggest game in the series. It depends. Because if, you know, if it's a 2-2, next, whoever wins is up 3-2. That's, mm-hmm. that's a big game. That's my opinion, though. I mean, other than that, this series is it's not going the way I expected it yeah. to go. I think I, I think, like it, though. No, I like it. I, I, I think, I think it, it should have been flipped. Mm-hmm. Whatever I, what, what I had predicted, I, think, I thought it would have been Warriors up 2-1 right now. You know, they're at home. But other than that, I mean, I don't know, man. This series, I'm up for a change. I want to see, a, I want to see a chip to Toronto. And that's yep. just, that's just me. That's, that's really just me. That's about it for the Warriors talk. But let's go ahead and change the topic up. Let's talk about some Kyrie Irving. I mean, there's been some reports saying he's 75% leaning towards the Brooklyn Nets, 25% towards the LA Lakers. I don't know where they get these percentages from, but in other words, I mean, his, his main focus is you know signing with the Brooklyn Nets at this point. He's been spotted in New York over the weekend. So, I mean, is this the right landing spot for Kyrie Irving, the Brooklyn Nets? I don't know if it's a clear-cut fit. And that's 
that's how I look at it. I mean, you have a great you have a great pack a backcourt without Kyrie Irving, D'Angelo Russell, Karis Levert, and Spencer Dinwiddie. That's a great trio. Unfortunately, they all need the ball. Not a single one of them is a pass first type of guy. So having Kyrie Irving, who's going to demand at least seventeen plus shots a game. I don't know how that's going to affect Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets. You look at what he did to, did to that Celtics roster. Jason Tatum had to sacrifice his shots. Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier is even going on going out on a limb on first takes, and he had to, you know, sacrifice the most for that team. Gordon Hayward as well. A lot of players had to sacrifice for that Boston team just to accommodate to Kyrie Irving. No disrespect, Kyrie Irving. He's a superstar, and he deserves that type of attention. But I think Brooklyn. They're set in terms of backcourt. I mean, there's this team is already deep in the backcourt, but you know, I was talking to a good friend of mine, and I think if they sign Kyrie Irving, look out for a possible Anthony Davis trade. I think they might throw in a Karis Levert or Spencer Dinwiddie. They they might get give out give up two of those guys, some picks, and maybe some other type of dudes to get Anthony Davis. And if I'm if I'm the Pelicans, if I can get Karis Levert and Spencer Dinwiddie and maybe a, a pick or two, that's that's intriguing. That is intriguing. Karis Levert is someone who's shown tremendous potential. Spencer Dinwiddie, one of the best bench players in the league. But other than that, I mean, I look at Kyrie Irving with Brooklyn, and I mean, I don't know if it's a good fit. I really don't yeah. know. I don't know if it's going to be a clear-cut gel type of fit. I don't even know if this team gets any much better. This team was a sixth seed. I feel like this team still has a lot of room to improve. They should have improved, first of all, from their front court players and from their hybrid players. I mean, who their starting center is uh, Jared Allen, which, no, I mean, he's, he's a great defender, but he's just not there yet. And that's what it comes yeah. down to. He's not there yet. And no, still young though. He, he's young. He's 21, but he's he's not there yet. And the way this team is looking, they look like they want to make a run right now. And having someone like Jared Allen, who's a 21 year old center, who's pretty raw, you know, you could even implement him in the trade. You could, and that and that's the that's Pelicans a good point. Wouldn't, I mean, they wouldn't mind having a guy like Jared. You're right. Allen. Yeah. And then you know, they're hybrid. They're hybrid players. They're they're threes and fours. I'm not really I'm not really sold on them. Other than that, I mean, I don't know if getting a point guard should be the number one fit. Yeah. I mean, you see, their number one priority. I don't know. I mean, but I mean, I'll, uh, back to the point. If Kyrie Irving wants to come to Brooklyn, you just can't say no. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. I mean, I see where Kyrie's coming from. He wants to come back home, you know, New York, and probably arguably maybe finish out his prime or the rest of his career. He is out from there. New Jersey, so. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that makes sense. But in terms of, you know, if Kyrie's going there to win, I just don't know. Because you've got D'Angelo Russell, who's, you know, a really ball dominant point guard. Who has to make the plays himself and then you implement a guy like Kyrie Irving who's the best handler we've ever seen in the game who's gonna need the ball you know maybe 15 seconds out of the 24 second shot clock and I, I think you know having him and D'Angelo Russell on the court at the same time just wouldn't fit because D'Angelo Russell isn't a catch-and-shoot type of guy neither is Kyrie Irving I mean you've got a guy like Joey I think one of them I think you bring in Kyrie Irving you're gonna have to let go of you know one of your guards you know whether it's Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, or D'Angelo Russell. One of them's got to go. You've got to get, you know, something in return. The only, the only thing is D'Angelo Russell is the only one that's up for free agency as well. Yeah. And they're going to resign D'Angelo Yeah, they're Russell. definitely resigning. So, I mean, you're going to have to give up one of, the, one of these backcourt players in a trade unless you want to try to make it work. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't think it's going to work. I mean, one can argue, you know, the Houston Rockets, Chris Paul and James Harden, you know, very ball-dominant type of guys. That's a different system. But, though. yeah, that's just – that's all that, – that's – they're they're an exception to this whole. Yeah, because they're they're a five out ISO system. Yeah. I mean, I, anyone's gonna exceed in that type of street mm -hmm. ball system. But with the with the Brooklyn Nets, I just don't see it happening. I because they don't have enough spot up shooters. They have Joe Harrison and who else? Who else is a catch and shoot guy on that team? I mean, 
There's really not many. It's more of, you know, they rely on the iso ball screens, send around the screens, pick and pop, you know, type of offensive system. So I don't know how Kyrie Irving would fit or, you know, in what way he'd find himself into that offense. And if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I'm looking at it as, you know, we've got something nice going. We've got a nice future headed our way. You know, we, we screwed up with that, you know, Paul Pierce trade, you know, later, uh, I mean, you know, beforehand. But to bring in Kyrie Irving, who's had his issues with the Boston Celtics, who left that locker room a disaster and kind of, you know, left that, threw that team under the bus and just fleed out. I don't know if you want to, you know, just throw him in with a guy like D'Angelo Russell who had his issues in L.A., you know, and that's the reason why they ended up shipping him out. Maybe him and Kyrie Irving, they'll get into agreement, you know, somewhere along the lines in terms of, you know, I want the ball in my hands, things like that. Because we can all argue D'Angelo Russell's a dog. I mean, when it comes down to fourth quarter, the man's got ice in his veins. He wants the ball in his hands. But, you know, we just got to face the fact that the ball's likely going to be in Kyrie Irving's hands, you know, late game you know, big shots. And I don't know if D'Angelo Russell is, you know, willing to, you know, give that up to Kyrie Irving. And the thing is, I'm looking at Brooklyn, right? I'm looking at the roster. Damari Carroll starting, you know, one of their one of their forwards. Jared Dudley as one of their forwards. You know, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, just a bunch of average forwards. I mean, you know, I'm just looking at... definitely add some depth into that. I mean, I don't under... Like, their first priority should be grabbing a Chris Middleton type of dude. Someone someone that's a hybrid that can give him some shooting, some give him some defense on the three position. I mean, they just have some athletes at the forward position. Jared Dudley is really just a body, a veteran type of leader type of dude. Other than that, I mean, even their center position, Ed Davis and Jared Allen, you know, uh, for how much I like Jared Allen, he's a great shot blocker, but I just said, I mean, he he's too young. He's just not there yet. This doesn't team doesn't really have an offensive game. This this team has two max slots, and it just I feel like it's kind of foolish signing someone where whenever you're, you're the your most secure position is the position that you're signing. And that's 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 how I look at it. D'Angelo Russell is your star player. Your second best player is Karis LeVert slash Spencer Dinwiddie. Third best player is probably Spencer Dinwiddie in my opinion. Your three best players are guards. Why on earth do you need to sign a guard? And th- that's that's how I look at it. I don't understand what this team is doing. Obviously, I just said it again. If Kyrie Irving wants to come to Brooklyn, for all means, you have you can't say no. Yeah. But I just I feel like that shouldn't be their number one priority. Getting Kyrie Irving. I think Kawhi Leonard's still on the market. Kevin Durant has shown a little bit of interest to, to Brooklyn. Same thing with Kawhi Leonard. I mean. Brooklyn has Brooklyn has an attractive roster. They have an attractive front office, attractive destination as well. I mean, Brooklyn is the spot to be. I don't know if Kyrie Irving should be that dude, but I mean, once again, it's looking like Katie's going to New York. It's looking like Kawhi Leonard is, is either going to stay in Toronto or go, or he's going to the LA Clippers. Kyrie Irving is probably the only one that has a clear cut shot of going to the Brooklyn Nets. So I don't I, I don't blame them in that aspect, but this team has a lot of work to do. They have two max slots. They got to capitalize it. Yeah, DeAndre Russell is going to get paid. Karis LeVert's under that rookie contract. Spencer Dinwiddie just got a uh, he just got an extension. Jared Allen's gonna get paid real soon. This team has to start making moves. I've yeah. you, I've always constantly preached it on this podcast. You're, you whenever you got a rookie contract type of dudes, you got to make moves now. That's what it comes down to. And that same thing with the Mavs. Same thing with the Philadelphia 76ers. Philadelphia 76ers have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, but they still have room for a max lot. I mean, that's that's mind boggling to me. Yeah, they're they're doing a hell of a job. They're out there. they're doing an amazing job. I mean. Still, how long are we going to trust the process in Philly? Yeah, and that's what it comes down to. Other than that, but I, I've got one more thing. Yeah. So Kyrie Irving, I mean, 
it should be a no-brainer. Just go to L.A. I mean, it's showtime. I've always wanted to see Ky- Kyrie Irving under those big lights. You know, he was with Cleveland. Boston, he, he just, I don't know, he just didn't look too happy there. But I feel like, you know, a happy Kyrie Irving in L.A. back with LeBron James, who, you know, he, he said he kind of, you know, regrets leaving Cleveland, you know, making that decision he did. But now at a bigger stage where, you know, you're always, you know, primetime basketball, you're always on ESPN, TNT, ABC. I mean, that's where I want to see Kyrie Irving, greatest ball handler ever play, uh, to ever play the game. I don't want to see him in Brooklyn. I mean, D'Angelo Russell, if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, you got to show more respect to your guard. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, putting doubt in the man saying, you know, he's not our number one at the point guard position, which he should be. I mean, there's a handful of other guys you should go for. You I mean, like you said, you know, they're, they're lacking forwards. There's Julius Randle, who, you know, you can get your eyes on. There's Jimmy Butler, who can also, you know, throw some money at. There's a handful of guys, you know, this year in free agency that are, you know, looking at the Brooklyn Nets as a destination. And, I mean, you can get a long-term contract out of these guys, maybe a five-year deal, and you definitely have the cap space. So now it's just all about, you know, sucking up your pride. We understand he's Kyrie Irving. You know, we understand he's ticket sales. But if you want a real shot at an NBA championship, you've got to go for the right guys that fit your team. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think if Kyrie Irving goes to the L.A. Lakers, call me crazy, I think this team goes to the finals. I think if KD goes to the Knicks, this team is the best team in the in the West. I look at it like that. I think it's really between them and Denver. Um, I look at – and the Warriors as well, don't get me wrong. Don't forget Houston. Well, well Houston's iffy because Daryl Morey kind of wants to blow up that team. I yeah. don't know what direction Houston's going in. They have literally no cap space to sign any type of players in the free agency. Should um, move Chris Paul. And they're, they're probably going to ship Chris Paul, Eric Gordon, or P.J. Tucker, one of those three, or Clint Capella, so one of those four. I don't know about Houston, but back to the point. I think if Kyrie Irving goes to the L.A. Lakers, this team is – Probably the top two, top two or three team in the West. Um, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, we, we already know about that duo, but they're a much deeper team than that Cleveland Cavaliers team was whenever they won the chip. You know, you're going to have someone like Kyle Kuzma, who's a solidified third wheel type of dude. He can be a third best player on a championship team, in my opinion. Lonzo Ball is still Lonzo Ball. He can play off the ball. He's a great defender. I, I would have him as my two guard. Um, yeah. You know, you could have Brandon Ingram as well coming off the bench, Josh Hart. What, you could do whatever you want, and then you still have room for a max lot. L.A. Lakers got to got to capitalize. I like if if Kyrie Irving went to the L.A. Lakers, that would be a nice team. Yeah. I would, but they've been I, having their own problems going on. They're, they're, this free agent, I mean, Brooklyn, Kyrie Irving with Brooklyn, just it just doesn't make sense to me. That like that's really what it comes yeah. down to. I'm confused. If anyone wants to give me a, a better explanation on why Kyrie Irving going to Brooklyn is 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 a great spot for Kyrie, please go ahead and shoot me a DM, text me or whatever. But I just don't. I don't see it. Am, am I tripping or anything? I just don't. I don't understand why Kyrie Irving would want to go to Brooklyn. It just. It doesn't make any sense to me. But you know, that's. It is what it is. You know, teams make stupid decisions. I just hope Brooklyn doesn't make a dumb, dumb decision again because they really screwed up the first time. But let's switch it up. Some boxing. Andy Ruiz Jr. Phenomenal win over the weekend. I mean. Man, no one saw it coming. The odds were definitely not in his favor. Now he's the heavyweight champion of the world, and he's got four titles, and the man is about to get paid. Was this the biggest upset in the history of boxing? Oh, I mean, I wouldn't say that. I think it's up there, but, I mean, obviously everyone's going to talk about, you know, Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson. But other than that, I mean, I look at Andy, Andy Ruiz. I mean, shout out to him. Knock it. I mean, he he didn't just squeak by Anthony Joshua. He gave him the work. 
Oh, I yeah. mean, he he put him on the ground four to five times, made Anthony Joshua look. I, that was Anthony Joshua out in the ring. I don't know who that was. That wasn't the Anthony Joshua that we've come to know. But I look at the heavyweight division now. I mean, a lot of people are saying Andy Ruiz is top three in the division. I don't know. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's Tyson Fury. I think it's Deontay Wilder. There's some other names in there as well. But the heavyweight division's up for grabs. I mean, we don't know who the clear-cut best, best fighter is. In my opinion, I feel like Tyson Fury is the most skilled fighter in the in the whole division. I think that he's one of the one of the better fighters in the division. Deontay Wilder is, I mean, he's just scary. <laughs> that's what it comes. Yeah. It's just a one shot. If one he shot lands that one guy. shot, and that's if he lands that one yeah. shot, I mean, that's it. That's yeah, it. He just happens to land it. Andy Ruiz, he's iffy. I feel like I don't want to be that dude to, to to go and say you know he had a he just had a great fight or Anthony Joshua didn't prepare well enough. I got to see Andrew Ruiz fight more. I think mm-hmm. I got to see him fight against, like I just said, a Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder. Let one of the let him let him match up with one of these top dogs. I want to see what he's about. But I you know I don't want to discredit him for any reason. Yeah. There's there's been a lot of hate on Andrew Ruiz, and we we definitely got to mention that calling him Butterbean, people disrespecting him and whatnot. Yeah. A guy like Stephen A. who doesn't know boxing. I mean I mean come on guys, boxing is all about upsets and whatnot. Andrew Ruiz, he he was just a better fighter that night. You know he was a great fighter. He first of all. Physically, he looks he 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 got I mean, he he's a, he, physically Anthony Joshua is a six eight all muscles type of dude. Andrew Ruiz, no no, no disrespect, he's all fat, thirty percent plus body fat. But he gave Anthony Joshua the work. Hey, shout out thirty percent fat, seventy percent heart. Exactly, and I mean Anthony, Andy Ruiz. I mean, shout out to him. Other than that, I mean, I look at you know the heavyweight division. I think it's up for grabs right mm-hmm. now. So I I definitely I didn't see Andy Ruiz winning the fight. And if you think and if you said you did. You'd probably be lying. I mean, but let's keep in mind the guy's not a scrub. Okay, the guy came into the fight 32 and one. You know, just came off of a win on April, and then he was a last-second replacement for this fight because Jarrell Miller, who was supposed to be the initial opponent for Anthony Joshua, you know, got disqualified from the fight due to you know failed drug tests, things like that. So Andy Andy Ruiz had what 41 days to prepare for this fight. Anthony Joshua had a few months. Anthony Joshua, I feel like he overshadowed him with within his, you know, contract. He didn't have a rematch clause because he felt, you know, I'm going to win all my fights. And, I mean, the better fighter came out, uh, you know, that night, and that was, you know, Andy Ruiz. I mean, he came into the fight as an underdog, you know, and he pulled off the upset. I mean, you know, we talk about boxing, how one one shot can change the whole fight. Well, I mean, he put he put Anthony Joshua on the floor five, six times. So I mean, if we want to, you know, talk he didn't about get lucky, lucky with, there yeah. was no luck. He didn't get lucky with one punch. Yeah. He he literally, I'm t- he outboxed him. And that's what it comes yeah. down to. And I, I feel like you know, I feel like he exposed Anthony Joshua. You know, some people argued he has no chin, but there hasn't been that fighter who, you know, got up under him and exposed him. I mean, we saw against the Klitschko fight where he got caught in the chin, and you know, he was almost done from there. It was what a seven count until he got up, and he ends up winning that fight by knockout, but. I feel like Anthony Joshua has been exposed. I think this could be the best thing that ever happened to his career because now he knows he's beatable. Now he can go back to the drawing board and realize, you know, what he's got to work on, you know, his defensive game. I think Mayweather's told him a while back, he's like, you're a great fighter, but, you know, come fight with the money team. I can teach you defense. He's like, you know, you don't necessarily have that defense. And I think it definitely showed against the Andy Ruiz fight, a guy who's a slugger, who will throw shots all game, Mexican-style fighter, who are, you know, one of the toughest guys to fight in the game of boxing just because of their toughness and, you know, aggressiveness 
aggressiveness throughout the whole fight. I mean, Andy Ruiz just showed what a champion is, and I think he deserves a lot more respect. I mean, the guy got a $7 million payday. He's demanding $40 million next fight. Do I disagree with it? Hell no. I mean, the guy has four belts now under his waist. The guy had 50,000 followers on Instagram before the fight. Guess how much he has now? He's at 850,000 followers. That's ridiculous. As of right now. That's Bronny James level. Was on Jimmy Kimmel. The guy said it himself. This fight has changed his life for his family. He said, you know, financially, you know. It's great to see. It's great to see. That's definitely, you know, you love to see stuff like this. You know, a guy who just overnight, he becomes a star. You know, he's he's the most talked about guy in the you know sport of boxing right now. And I think he deserves the credit. You know, everyone doubted him. I'm not, you know, I doubted him myself. I, I mean, thought there was no, no way. It's, it's not wrong to doubt him. I mean, yeah. we, I think I think that's that's a fault to Anthony Joshua. We thought Joshua was that dude. We He was arguably the best yeah. fighter in the heavyweight division. We thought that he was the guy. Yeah. Andrew Ruiz just showed up, and he's like, no, I, that, it's me. Yeah. yeah I, I'm better I'm, than this guy. So. And I, I mean, think he can be a threat, you know, for arguably Deontay Wilder. We've never seen Deontay Wilder fight a guy who slugs, kind of gets up and under close to you. Wilder's the type of guy who uses his reach to his advantage. And I think a guy of Andy Ruiz, he kind of limits that. But the, he gets up and the under. The thing is about Andy Ruiz is I was looking at the Joshua fight. I mean, Joshua still hit him with a lot of punches. Yeah. And that's the thing. Deontay Wilder's different. If Deontay yeah. Wilder lands one of those punches, and Andy Ruiz goes to the ground. And that's what it comes down to. Anthony Joshua doesn't have the power of Deontay Wilder. I mean, I, that's, that's, that's what it comes down to. I feel like if he, if he fights Tyson Fury... Tyson Fury is a, is a great defender. He's great at, at reading his opponents, switching up his stances and whatnot. And then, you know, and I, I feel like Tyson Fury would win on points. If he fights Deontay Wilder, I feel like Andy Ruiz gets knocked out. And, you know, you can call me, you know, you can call me a bandwagon or whatever, whatever you, you call me that. I just do, I, I want to see Andy Ruiz prove it to me. Same thing, same thing how I thought about, uh, thought about the Milwaukee Bucks. You just got to prove it to me. Yeah. You had a great fight, but I want to see you fight against uh, better competition. That's it. I, I just hope it doesn't get to his head because I know – you know, your your mindset heading into this Wilder fight and then, you know, pulling up a win like that and becoming a star, you know, you got to be able to recover from that as a fighter. You got to, you know, realize, you know, I'm still beatable. I'm still Andy Ruiz. You know, don't let that attention get to me. And I think he showed a lot more heart than Anthony Joshua that night. I mean, Anthony Joshua flat out was gassed out in the seventh round. You know, he pretty much looked to his corner and that's when the ref called out. He's like, all right, this guy doesn't want to fight no more. The fight's over. And I think the problem with Anthony Joshua is I haven't seen him progress ever since the Klitschko fight a few years back. You know, he he hasn't really changed as a boxer. In the sport of boxing, everyone else is, you know, constantly getting better. And if, you know, you just – I feel like Anthony Joshua has hit that plateau where it's like, you know, this is the best you'll ever see out of me, and, you know, that's about it. I mean, the guy's getting paydays, $25 million payday, $19 million payday. You know, arguably this is probably another $20 million payday against Ruiz. You know, the – Deontay Wilder fight coming up, $50 million payday. I mean, he's set after that. I mean, it's gotten to a point where... He's already set. Yeah, he's got his bag. He's got his money. And I think he just feels like, you know, that's it. What more do I have to prove? And I think, you know, if you want to be the best, you got to be able to beat the best. And I think, you know, Anthony Joshua has a lot of unfinished business. You still got Tyson Fury. You still got Deontay Wilder. And now you have Andy Ruiz you still got to beat. So don't get too over your head. If you want to chase the money, you know, go ahead and do it. Because, you know, we can argue there was two Floyd Mayweathers in the boxing game. There was Pretty Boy Floyd, who, you know, no one was beating. And there was Money Mayweather, who was just chasing the bag. So, 
you know, choose who you are. Are you Anthony Joshua who wants the bag or are you Anthony Joshua who wants to go down as one of the greatest heavyweight fighters to ever fight? But, you know, this is Andy Ruiz's moment. I'm going to give him the love he deserves. I mean, the man is a star. When you see him in the street, you put some respect on his name because he is no butter bean. All right. He's just he's an oversized champion that we're not used to seeing. And, you know, much love to Andy Ruiz. First Mexican heavyweight champion ever. So, you know, shout out Mexico. You got yourselves a good one. Yeah. Other than that, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. It is Sports Decaf. It's your co-host, Tariq Fatul. It's your boy, Tariq Abdullah. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We out. Peace out.